Ashling's America, a weekly look at American life with Ashling Taylor. Welcome to Ashling's America. It's me, Ashling, and this is a weekly glimpse into America through my very English-tinted glasses. Over the past few weeks, I have been sampling some of the foods that New York has to offer. I have to say, I'm a big fan of ordering pizza by the slice because it allows you to mix and match a selection of flavors. Although realistically, the slices are so big, I can only eat two per sitting. I'm yet to sample a slice from the famous one-dollar pizza places that are dotted all around the city. Although I've heard they're really good, there's something about that that just sounds too good to be true, and I have too much exploring to do to risk a bout of food poisoning. There is one place near the office which my coworker promises is safe and delicious, though. So I'm sure I'll give it a try at some point and be sure to report back to you all, hopefully with a positive review. In my quest to explore American life, I also went to the bakery which Food and Wine magazine claimed had the best chocolate cake in America. The cake is called Brooklyn Blackout, and you buy it by the slice. The chocolate sponge cake is filled with chocolate ganache and chocolate buttercream, so this is a hit with chocolate lovers, but would be a tad overwhelming for those lacking a sweet tooth. There is no way I could have eaten a whole slice on my own, so I definitely recommend bringing someone along to share it with, or eating your slice in two sittings if you're not the sharing type. Now, if I'm being completely honest, I'm not sure what makes this the best chocolate cake in America. Despite this cake being made and sold in a bakery, it did taste a bit like those cakes you make from the pre-prepared packet mix you get in the supermarket, where you just add an egg and some water. Now, don't get me wrong; it was a great chocolate cake, but that's all there is to it. There are no surprises. I'm not sure what I think a cake would need in order for it to be declared the best in America. Maybe I'll just have to keep trying lots of different cakes until I figure that one out. I was recently taken to another bakery in the West Village in Manhattan, which my friend claims has the best banana pudding she's ever tasted. It is so good; she claims that when she was looking for a place to live, she purposefully sought out apartments near to this bakery. She literally based her life around being within a short walking distance of this specific banana pudding. Now, if that's not the most glowing recommendation for dessert you've ever heard, then I don't know what is. Banana pudding is commonly associated with Southern United States cuisine. It includes vanilla-flavored custard, whipped cream, some cake pieces, and slices of fresh banana. Despite its indulgent nature, the custard and cream are very light, which means it's possible to eat a dangerous amount of this stuff before having your fill. Despite containing fresh banana slices, the banana pudding did manage to taste a little bit like artificial banana. That was no problem for me. But another Brit who is out here on an internship too likened it to the consistency of Angel Delight, something which she can't bear to eat, which meant more for me. Speaking of Angel Delight, I followed up on a lead another British intern gave me about a British food store in the West Village of Manhattan, very close to the bakery where I got the banana pudding. You'll know you found the right place because there's a bench outside painted with the Union Jack, and since it's coming up to Easter. In that it's just a month away, the window display is full of British Easter eggs, such as the ones made by Cadbury's, along with a host of Union Jacks and the flags of St George. 
Now, I don't know who had a better time over the next 15 minutes. Me moving around, picking up everything in this admittedly small but well-stocked shop. Or my co-worker laughing at me and all my excitement as I called back to her. Oh my gosh, they have. Insert name of everything I picked up here. Have you tried this? Probably not. You really need to. It's so good. I'll buy them. It's only now I've moved away from the UK that I realise how much of what we eat is linked to where we come from. I never thought about the fact you can't buy Percy pigs in other parts of the world, or that HP sauce wouldn't be sold in the US, at least not in any supermarkets I've been in. They had so much in this shop, it was magical. They mostly had chocolates and sweets and biscuits, but they also had sauces, Heinz soups and baked beans, Weetabix, tea bags, pot noodles, Ribena and Robinson's fruit juice and so much more. They also had tato crisps for my Irish listeners out there. My most exciting find was Branston pickle, which I looked for in my first week here to have on my cheese sandwiches at lunch, but they don't sell it in the supermarkets I've been going to, so now I can finally make that cheese and pickle sandwich I've been craving for five weeks. I also bought some saurine, some jammy dodgers, which my co-worker tried and loved, obviously, they're amazing, some sherbet lemons, again, she loved those, which is no surprise, because they're also amazing, and I bought a sherbet fountain for her and one for myself. I'm going to save mine for a rainy day, but sent her on her way with a short description of what I'd given her and instructions on how to eat it. I warned her that the sherbet might have solidified a bit and she'll have to hit it on the table to loosen it up, And yes, I'm old enough to remember the good old days when they were just wrapped in paper instead of a plastic tube, which made the whole thing a lot easier. So anyway, she was left very bewildered, but I'm excited to hear her review. I'm embarrassed to reveal the prices I paid for these imported goods. I like to imagine a man in full tweed smuggling them in in a briefcase, but I imagine their journey across the Atlantic was much more above board. However, to give you a general idea... I paid $7.95, which is about £6, for a 520-gram jar of Branston pickle, which costs around £2 back home. So yes, that stuff is gold dust to me now. So the moral of the story is, appreciate the foods that seem mundane, because one day you may find yourself in New York paying three times the price for them. You can't really blame them for having such a high markup. I imagine they have an endless stream of nostalgic or homesick Brits. If only they knew what I would be willing to pay for a packet of Munster Munch. Over the weekend, I also visited one of the only two speakeasies in New York City that operated during Prohibition and is still in existence today. Finding the entrance to this place involved walking down a very dimly lit set of stairs from street level, through a sketchy alley under the building above, and coming out into a dark open space with metal staircases leading up to the back entrances of the buildings which encased this grungy courtyard on all sides. A man lingered by a set of shortened and marginally more illuminated steps. Just as my friends told me how annoyed they'd be if I was about to get them murdered, he said, Evening, ladies, and asked us if we were looking for the speakeasy. He chuckled at our relief as he told us we were in the right place, checked our IDs and pointed us up the metal steps and into the bar using the same hidden entrance that was in use around 85 years ago. It was a truly marvellous sight to behold. An extravagant chandelier hung from the ceiling, 
deep red wallpaper complemented the dark wood floor, bar and short staircase that led from the open bar area into the seating area, which was furnished with fancy period pieces and settees of the same red fabric and dark wood as the wall and floor. There was even an old 1920s-style telephone on a nook next to the restrooms. The cocktails were served in teacups, which apparently is how they used to serve alcohol during Prohibition. There is definitely a novelty factor to drinking cocktails from a teacup, but sadly, since we were all fresh out of university, where drinking alcohol out of a mug is a fairly ordinary occurrence, perhaps some of that novelty was lost on us. Anyway, it was a fun experience, because although speakeasy-style bars have become popular in the UK, it was fun to go to a location that actually operated as one during Prohibition itself, rather than just being inspired by that time period. And considering the price they were charging for the cocktails in the teacup, maybe we were being much classier than we thought drinking our alcohol out of mugs at university. We were clearly very on trend. That's all from me for now, but I look forward to you joining me next week for another glimpse into Ashling's America. See you then! Ashling's America, a weekly look at American life with Ashling Taylor. When